Thank you, everyone, for the uh, you guys for that great praise. What a way to start the morning. Amen. Um, this weekend has been busy. We've had a lot of youth here. We've had a lot of uh, good things happening and a lot of messages. And uh, I just hope that the youth who are here, who've been here all weekend, have some brain space left to absorb. Because it was, uh, you guys have got a lot thrown at you. Um, you know, that was a lot. And... Uh, but you know what? I know that the Lord will help you retain that knowledge. And, uh, but one thing that we covered through my sessions on the weekend was the struggle of the disciples. The struggle to follow with no guarantees. The, uh, the struggle to wait for Jesus in the times of doubt. Then the struggle to... Um, uh, what was the third one? <laughs> to uh, to basically to stand up uh, in hard times. Uh, we went over the uh, the accounts on how the apostles uh, went and through their lives ended up dying a martyr's death, and that you would not do that for a fad. You would not do that for something you knew was not true. That is so crucial to us moving forward here. But first, we're actually going to rewind and go a little bit back because we can't talk about being a disciple and not really talk about and look at you know, what did they do in the time between when Jesus died and when they died. That was the most impactful part of their whole ministry and their lives. So we've got to rewind that a little bit and... Uh, we're going to look at uh, a couple stories and follow through uh, through Stephen, Peter, John, and uh, one of the passages we're going to cover is uh, is just grouped in all the apostles. So they you know they uh, they were well covered there. Um, but but when we read these verses and there's a lot of them, this is going to be you know what. This is a great talk because the Bible does this talk for me. And that's what we're going to find out this morning. It's, it's all there. And we just need to examine it. And we need to carry a new sense of confidence and no longer be timid in our walks. If we are saying we are his disciples, we are walking with him, and this is our God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, if you want to flip over to Acts, we're going to pick it up in verse 11 of chapter 6. Stephen had a very short but very impactful ministry. And it makes it clear in the the readings that he's a young guy. How young? I'm not sure. But he is a young guy. And um, he preached perhaps the most straightforward a sermon that you will uh, ever hear, and that is uh, that is something that we need to examine as we go through these verses. And uh, so we're going to pick it up in eleven. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, "We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God." 
So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. So what they're accusing him of is blasphemy. Blasphemy held the death penalty. Stephen knows this. He's not an idiot. He knows this. He knows, oh, I'm in for it. This is bad. There's going to be some major persecution here. Could end in the death penalty. Could end in a wicked beating. He's not sure at this point. But the one thing he is sure of, he's willing to go there. He's willing to say the Lord's message. And it would be like us going down uh, to Tennessee and being accused of murder. All the people there would just be waiting for us to fry. Like, that's what they want. These people, if Stephen speaks the truth, they're going to want him to die. They don't want to hear the truth. How does he respond to this? Let's keep reading. We're going to go to Acts 7. Verse 1. Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these charges true? To this he replied. Now this is, uh, I've chosen, we're going to read it all, because it's all important. So pay close attention, please. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, (laughs) before he lived in Haran. Uh, Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After, his, after the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set foot on. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him uh, would possess the land, even though at the time Abraham had no ch- child, God spoke to him in this way. For 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish the nation they serve uh, as slaves. God said, and afterward, they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. And Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised Isaac eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all of his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palaces. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering. And our ancestors, the Jews, could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our forefathers there to visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent his father Jacob and his whole family, 75 in all, Then Jacob went down to Egypt 
where he and our ancestors died, their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in a tomb that Abraham had bought with the son of Harmon or Hamor at Shechem for a, a certain sum of money. At this time, drew near for God. Sorry, as the time drew near for God to fulfill His promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then the, a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so they would die. At that time, Moses was born. He was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughters uh, took him and brought him as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the men who were mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner, and he had two sons. After forty years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not uh, dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning, and I have come down to set them free. Now come, and I will send you back to Egypt. This is where it gets really interesting. This is the same Moses. Remember how the Jews really, really had a high impression of Moses. Moses was their guy. Abraham was their father, basically. And they put these guys up on kind of pedestals, and they really, really honored and wanted to follow the traditions that Moses gave them. And that's what they were really accusing Stephen of at the beginning, remember? They said, He's, uh, he wants to change the customs Moses handed down to us. So let's listen to this. This is the same Moses that they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliver by God, uh, deliver by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the, in the wilderness. This is the same Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in, uh, sorry, he was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai. 
and with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him, and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and reveled in what their own hands had made. But God turned away from them and gave them over to worship the sun, the moon, and the stars. This agrees with what is written in the books of the prophets. Do you bring me sacrifices and offerings forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have taken up the tabernacle of Molech and the star of your god, Rephan, and the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant with uh, covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses, according to the pattern he had seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under jo- Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might uh, provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. Uh, but it was Solomon who built the house, a house for him. However, the Most High God does not live in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? Are you guys following me? You guys getting where I'm going? 51. I love this. You stiff-necked people. He just went through their entire history and he's just pointing it out bit by bit by bit by bit how they deteriorated in what they were supposedly following but weren't even following and how they had persecuted those who were talking about the coming Messiah. And and, uh, let's just see where he goes next. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that it was given through angels but have not obeyed it. When the members of Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. When he had said this, he fell asleep. 
What an example. What an example. So I have one question. Why are we such wimps? Honestly, why are we such wimps? We serve the same God. We have so much that we don't even know what to do with it. We are, we're not going to get pulled out into the street and stoned in North America here. It doesn't happen. But yet we hold back. You know, heaven forbid that the truth offends someone. The truth is the truth, people. We are armed with the truth. If you know your Bible, if you know your God, you have the truth. So, just be sure that when you are speaking, that you are translating the truth to somebody. And if that is what you are doing, don't apologize. Don't be apologetic. You're, you're saving that person. You're telling them the truth. You're not being withholding to that person. You're telling them the truth because you love them. That is why you're stepping out. That is why you're sharing it. Because if you don't, you don't love that person. You can't. You can't condemn someone to hell and say you love them because you want to, because uh, you're afraid of how they'll respond or you're afraid of this or that. You know what? Stephen, he gave them excellent reason. He explained himself well and he covered it all in truth, and he lowered the boom in the truest way possible. And that is the type of people that we need to be. So, if you, in case you think I'm way off with this, which some may, let's dig deeper. Let's look at Acts 4. How Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. The priest and the captain of the temple guard And the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And Ananias, the high priest, was there. And so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others from the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought in before them and began to question them. By what power or name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, which is available to all of us, by the way, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for the act of kindness shown to this man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, 
but whom God raised from the dead. This man stands before you healed. Jesus, listen to this, because this is Old Testament prophecy, is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So the they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do about these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed this notable sign. We cannot deny it. But stop this thing from spreading any further among the people. We must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats to them, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what, they, for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So once again, what's the common theme here? There's no apologies. There's no tiptoeing around. There's no leaving things up to interpretation and that's what we like to do, is it not? You know, well, we'll, we'll put a little bit of truth in here, but we kind of protect ourselves. And we like, okay, you know, like Aaron talked about in the, one of the, the sessions. You know, we just, we just do enough, but we don't really go the full distance. And basically to make ourselves feel okay about it. But it's not really doing anyone any good. And basically it just ends up with people being confused because they don't get the full message. And... We need to obviously give the full message. But if we look at it, they were ordered to stop. Did it stop them? Did it even come close to stopping them? No. And in our day and age, everyone's so concerned with this political correctness. Garbage. Okay, so the question is, are we more concerned with being politically correct or are we more concerned about actually speaking truth? We need to be people who actually speak truth. Like, political correctness is leading people to hell and everywhere else. It's not ever going to bring them to saving faith. It's not going to ever lead them to truth. It is just a way so that people can sin and, and Christians like us are supposed to not say anything about, you know, it's weak 
It's wrong and it's not the example that the apostles left us. And as we see here, this was their form of political correctness. They were ordered, don't preach in the name of Jesus. And it did not stop them. If we go over to Acts 5, we're going to pick it up in 17. Okay. We're just going to skip ahead for the sake of time here, unfortunately. But we're going to pick it up at verse 25. So I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase here a little bit. But the, basically, the high priest rounded up the apostles. They rounded them all up. And um, they, uh, they were basically giving them the same message to not preach Jesus Christ. And um, Okay, so we're going to pick it up in verse 25. Or 24. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Um, Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing here in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said, Yet you filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood, guilty of Jesus' blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that we might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. Our, we are witnesses of these things, and so, it is, uh, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Galamel, I'm sorry I butchered that, a teacher of the law who was honored by the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a while. He then addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully that you intend what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied around him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band in of people in a revolt. He too was killed and all of his followers scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go, for their purpose or activity 
is of human origin. That's his belief anyways. It will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. So they beat the snot out of them. That's the, in a brutal, brutal way. That's just the way it's uh, flogged is, is terrible. And once again, they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now, I love this. Verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. So uh, I'm going to say again, are we wimps? Are we people who are going to turtle? Or are we going to stand firm for what we know is true? And um, they weren't, if we notice in the, the passages, they weren't offensive jerks. They weren't going about that because that would take away the, the message. The message is not that. The message is Jesus Christ is legitimately God's son who came and died and raised and that they killed and they didn't like that one at all and that it's not too late to put your faith in him even though that the Jews killed him. They were preaching to the people who were the enemy and they preached in such boldness. So to, <clears throat> to not speak in boldness is to not do Jesus justice with his message. And you know what? We fall short, desperately, desperately short of just being good people. Like, we are sinful beings. So, we should on a regular basis be hearing messages that offend us. We really should. From the pulpit, from our friends, when we get together, that's how we grow people. That's the only way. When we point out in each other in love, but in boldness, what we need to work on together. Otherwise, we're just going to do the mundane. We're not going to grow People in Timmins are not going to come to great saving faith in any numbers. But if you look in the second verse I, I read, you know, just from them speaking, 5,000 people came to faith. I'm not saying that any of us are going to you know, be used by God to lead 5,000 people individually to faith. But maybe two, maybe ten, who knows? But you've got to open your mouth. And you have to have the actions in your life to back it up. Amen. It's a package deal. And with God comes the boldness and the truth and the life. Don't do it of yourself. Pray for God and the Holy Spirit to guide you in this. Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter and, Paul made, uh, Peter and John made it clear that they were, it was of the Holy Spirit the apostles, that's the only way they, they survived. It's the only way that they got through anything and they got up the next day to take another beating. 
That's the only way. Boldness was the signature of the early church. And uh, in Acts 28, um, I'll just read verse 31. You don't have to go there if you don't want to, but Paul was in his own house. He had a little rented house there in, in Rome. He was shipwrecked, beaten, you name it, all the time. But in verse 31 it says, He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. And that is how we grow. So we've convinced ourselves that we have to do all these different things to first before we can share. And I'm here to tell you, it's not true. We just have to be, you know, there are ways, there's friendships you can develop. You know, we're not going to be people shoving the Bible down people's throats by any stretch of the imagination. And, but, you know, but if we put so many things in the way that we have to do step one to five and then we can get the chance to share, we may never get to step five. We need to be a little bit more bold about our witness because I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. You guys aren't guaranteed tomorrow. And if we do like our life, likes, our world likes to do and make everything a five-step program, uh, it doesn't work with God. You don't always get a second chance. Pray, feel the Holy Spirit leading you, and share. If, you feel, if they outwardly resist you and are not hearing you, back off and wait for another day. But at least open your mouth and try. Be willing. That's what God's asking us. Be willing. Now, in closing, I have a couple questions I want to ask. Has the message of the gospel ever changed? No. Has the Great Commission ever changed? No. Are the people alive today still going to hell if they don't believe in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior? Yes. Now, here's the key. Do you honor Him? This is what I've been trying to drive home this whole weekend. Do you honor Him as Lord? Now, be careful. Because if He is truly your Lord, He commands us to not be ashamed, to be His witness, to have no other gods, nothing else above Him. So once again, I'll ask you, do you honor Him as Lord? Now, most importantly on this one, does Jesus agree with you? When He's sitting up in heaven on His throne and He's looking at Trevor McNulty or anyone here, does Jesus agree with us that we are His disciples that we love Him as Lord, and that we honor Him as Lord. That is the key. If He does not agree with you today, that's a big problem. Because then you're not His. So, check your heart. Make sure today that when you can sit back and say, I am Jesus's, He is my Lord, that He looks down and knows and says, yes, that is my child. I'll call the praise group up at this time.
Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful weekend. And for you, Lord. Most importantly, Lord, if you were not here, there would be no point in doing any of this. And Lord, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for you paying the price for us. We thank you for the example that your uh, early disciples who became apostles left for us and for you preserving your word so that we can have it with us today. So that we know what to do. We know what is right. We know what is truth. And Lord, help us to act upon it. We know that non-Christians don't want to hear it and that unfortunately Christians just don't want to live it sometimes. And Lord, we ask in humbleness that you'd forgive us, Lord. Please forgive us, Lord. Strengthen us and go forward ahead of us and give us your Holy Spirit to give us your strength and your might to do your will on earth that you have for us to do. And thank you for trusting us with that, Lord. And I hope that we are faithful stewards in that. Amen. Awesome. So, okay, my mic's off. Very <laughs> challenging.